would please turn to the book of Genesis. We're going to continue what we did last Lord's Day. And uh, the goal today is I want to finish up the book of Genesis. Uh, we're basically doing a, a very quick survey. It is, it is, there's 50 chapters in Genesis. That's a lot of material, a lot of different stories. Um, you compare that with, with the book of Exodus. The Exodus, book of Exodus isn't as long, but it's pretty long, but it's basically one story, really, one huge story. Uh, Genesis has so many plot points in it, uh, so there's a whole lot to cover. Um, we got to roughly chapter 26, but if we want to back up a little bit, chapter 22 is when we had the almost sacrifice uh, of Isaac. Uh, in, the, in the Old Testament, there is, there is child sacrifice in the Old Testament. God never approves of it. Um, God commanded Abraham to, to sacrifice and for the, his child and for the ancient Near East. Um, that would not have been that uncommon of a thing. Right? There were gods that expected that. And so he tested Abram, Abram's faith, uh, but did not actually want Abram to sacrifice his child. This is, this is not something um, that God ever approves of. And as a matter of fact, there are many places in the historical books and in the prophets where God condemns it. Um, but here it is a test of his faith. And what God does is he supplies an animal as a, you know, in the place of Isaac for that sacrifice. In chapter 23, Sarah, the wife of Abraham, and the mother of Isaac, and Ish, uh, not Ishmael, mother of Isaac dies. So Abraham, in chapter 4, wants a wife for Isaac from his relatives rather than the Canaanites. So he sends his servant and finds Rebekah, a relative at, uh, Nahor, uh, from Nahor. Now, um, generally speaking, if we look at our map, which is why we have this today, uh, this area right here is Canaan. All right? This is Canaan. We've got Egypt over here. Here's the Nile. Uh, that will be relevant today. His, where Abraham's from is actually over here, but he has a lot of relatives around in this area, sometimes called Haran, sometimes called Paddan Aram. Uh, this is the Euphrates River. And... If he's going to send, all right, to, to get, get a, a wife for his child, uh, he is going to send them up this way because this way is desert. And, and so you're going to go up this way and over here, and this is where this part of the story takes place. So he doesn't want a wife from the Canaanites because they are pagans. Actually, a lot of these guys are pagans too. These are pagans, and God does not want a wife for the Hittite, from, the, from this group, and we'll see the same thing happen uh, with Jacob and Esau a little bit later. So he sends to find a wife, uh, Rebecca, for, for Isaac there. And uh, as we did last time, I'm going to ask you to uh, help me do a little reading today. And so let's talk about chapter 25. Abraham took, takes another wife. All right, or slash concubine named Keturah, and has a number of sons from her in chapter 25. And um, that, but this is when we really start transitioning from Abraham into the life of Isaac. Uh, Genesis chapter 25. Would somebody read for me verses 19 through 28? Genesis 
And these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian, and of Hadar Aram, the sister of Laban and Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord was entreated of him. And Rebekah his wife conceived, and the children struggled together within her. And she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy room, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. Twenty-five. Yeah. And when and when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red and all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold at Esau's hill, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man, dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau, but he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Thank you. And so, so far, our main, our main events, right, you could say, first one would be creation. Then you have the fall, all right? And that would include, of course, then the Cain and Abel story. And uh, soon you've got Noah, all right, which is a, quite a big event there, all right? After Noah, you've got a prol- proliferation of nations again. And, and so that's when we ultimately get to Babel. Right after Babel, we transition into the Abraham story. After the Abraham story, we have the story of Isaac. Now, Isaac ultimately ends up being, uh, if you compare him to Jacob and Abraham, Isaac is a minor character. Uh, He doesn't get nearly as much time as the others. He's not really minor. He's actually very important, but no, no doubt. But, I mean, he is the promised child to Abraham, all right? But there's a lot about the life of Abraham. And then a lot about uh, Jacob and then Joseph towards, towards the end. So, very important character, just you don't see quite as much of, as Isaac um, as you do as some of the others. So, in, in chapter 25, we've got all of that. In chapter 26, uh, let's read 26, 1 through 5. Um, Grady Cook, will you please read 26, 1 through 5 for me? Now, there was a famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham their father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give to your offspring all these lands and in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge my commandments, my statutes and my laws thank you so God made a promise to Abraham alright 
God made a promise to Abraham that he would give him many descendants. All right. That descendant, his, his only you know, descendant from him and Sarah, ends up being Isaac. But now as Isaac gets older, God continues the promise, right? He's, he confirms with Isaac, I said I would do this with Abraham. He was obedient. I'm going to do this with you as well. Uh, Gerar is about right here. So it's a Philistine city, so it's on the coast. If you see the Philistines, think coastland, all right? And generally speaking, think coastlands, you know, south of that little point that sticks out there. Mount Carmel, I believe, is what that one is. Um, And so he goes down here, and God says, don't go to Egypt, all right? Don't want you to go there. I want you to stay here, and I'm going to bless you just like I blessed your father. So if we go to a little bit later in chapter 26, you go to around verse uh, 34, we see something here, because this sets up a little bit of the story. It's just a little, little, little note that might seem irrelevant here at first. When Esau was 40 years old, he took Judith, the daughter of Biri the Hittite, to be his wife, and Basemath, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, and they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. Notice how Abraham did not want a, a wife, right, for, for Isaac from this area. Um, Esau, uh, well, Esau didn't go with this, all right? And he, he married two pagans from, from the Hittites, and this really upset Isaac and Rebekah. So God renews his promise. Everything's going okay, sort of. Esau is causing some issues. In chapter 27, Isaac is getting old, so he sends Esau out to hunt game. So Isaac is expecting he's going to die soon. So he sends Esau out to hunt game. Uh, we saw already in our reading how there's a favoritism between the parents where uh, Rebekah loves Jacob and Esau is loved more um, by Isaac. And so Isaac says, hey, Esau, go out and g- get me some, give me some meat, all right? And, and whenever you do that, you know, he's going to bless him, all right? And so that's what's happening in 27. Now, um, Jacob deceives Isaac at the instigation of his mother. Jacob dece- deceives Isaac, all right, and goes and kills uh, not wild game, but domesticated game, covers himself with hair, makes himself smell- smelly like a woodsman, and goes in and deceives Isaac. Uh, let's read this. Let's turn to Genesis uh, 27 if you aren't already there. And if we go to 26, and I'm going to read some of this. Then his father Isaac told him, come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, see the smell of my son is the smell of a field that Yahweh has blessed. May God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. This Isaac was not meant, excuse me, this blessing was not meant for Jacob. This blessing was meant for Esau. And you get later in the chapter... And where Esau now comes back in obedience to his father with the wild game all cooked. And in verse 38, Esau says to his father, after, you know, he gives his father the meat and, his, his, and Isaac figures out, I've been deceived. 
I've been deceived by Jacob. And so in verse 38, Esau says, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. And so he asks for a blessing, and he doesn't get a great one. All right, uh, Jacob gets the greater blessing. Uh, I, uh, Esau is ultimately going to live here. All right, so this is going to be the land of Edom. He's going to live on like the the southeast side of the Dead Sea. All right, and in longer arc of history, this last part becomes true because where it breaks their yoke, Edom ends up being a major uh, uh, an enemy of the people of God later. And so this, this blessing that he gives is more prophecy. You're going to serve your brother, but eventually you are going to break that yoke. And not really him, his descendants will break that yoke. And uh, there's going to be issues between Edom and Israel later on in the story. In chapter 28, Jacob is sent to Laban in Paddan Aram. So this is this trip once again, all right? This is this trip once again. Jacob is sent there. And uh, if we would look at Genesis 28. Genesis 28. Uh, let's read verses 10 through. Um, let's read 10 through 19. Um, hey, uh, Tim, Tim Weber, will you please read 10 through 19 for me? Jacob left Bersheba and went toward Moran. He came to a certain place and stayed there that night, and he called the sun and said, Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and laid there in that place to sleep. Uh, one pause real quick. So he is he's actually going north, but still is in within the land of Israel at this point. Continue. And he dreamed that the whole there was a ladder set up on the earth and up on the beach of heaven. Behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I do not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel. So he renames the city, and he renames it Beth Bethel. All right, Bethel means house of God. Right, you've got that translated there, and they say, this is the house of God. And so, what does he call it? He just says, "This is the house of God." Right, Bethel is where this is going to be. So now we have actually Jacob 
All right. You have God now confirming with Jacob. All right. He re- he received the blessing, right, from Isaac, and so you would think from the blessing that he would in fact be the greater. And then God confirms with Jacob at this point and says, "Yes, actually, it is through you that my that my my will through Abraham, essentially, my will of what I was going to do with the family of Abraham, is going to go through you." If you look back at verse five of this ver- uh, of this chapter. Um, you see, Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Paddan Aram to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob, and Esau's mother. So this is that, you know, that trip to go up north and then east to the northern part of Mesopotamia. Now, verse 6, you see, now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Paddan Aram to take a wife from there, and that as he blessed him, he directed him, you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Paddan Aram. And so when Esau saw that the Canaanite women did not please Isaac, his father, Esau went to Ishmael and took as his wife, besides the wives he had, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebaioth. And so you've got Isaac, excuse me, Esau coming to the realization that I have made some family mistakes, and then marrying again. And this time, marries within the family, but not quite in the same sense. He marries an Ishmaelite, right? A child of Ishmael, a child of Abraham. Still within the family, still perhaps not exactly what Jacob, or excuse me, what Isaac would have wanted. So in chapter 28, you get Bethel, and Bethel shows up in various places in the Bible later. And you've got him going up to... Haran. In chapter 29, uh, he, Jacob finds his relatives and finds a lady he really wants to marry. Her name is Rachel. Uh, he gets tricked, though, and has to work for Laban for a very long time and ends up having to marry Leah and then Rachel. And he has his family, but he stays there at least for a while. Uh, Rachel is barren, but Leah buries him, uh, excuse me, bears him, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. Then Leah becomes barren. So four children, all right? Now, this is important because Jacob, as you who know the story goes, Jacob is going to be renamed, okay? Jacob is going to be renamed to Israel. And so when we get the 12 tribes of Israel, all right, uh, they're all going to be these children. Verse, uh, excuse me, chapter 30. So Leah has four children in chapter Chapter 29, Reuben, Simon, Levi, Judah. Rachel gives Jacob her servant Bilhah to have a servant on her behalf. So this is not the, uh, you know, the first time this has happened. This is Sarah, right, gave Hagar, her servant, to say, hey, Abraham, have a child. Uh, Rachel at this point is desperate because she has no children, while, while Leah, her sister, has four. So he gives Jacob Bilhah. And she bears Dan and Naphtali. There's two more tribes, so we're up to six now. Then Leah gets, gets uh, jealous, and so she gives Jacob her servant Zilpah to have sex with. And, they ha- and he, she has Gad and Asher. That's eight of your tribes. Then Leah gives mandrakes to Rachel in return for sex with Jacob one night and has Issachar. Then she has Zebulun and Dinah, which will become relevant. This is a woman, not one of the tribes, but very relevant here in just a second. Then Rachel finally has a child, which is Joseph. Um, then Jacob wants to leave, 
All right, so he's up here. He's having all of these children up in here. All right, and so he's ready to leave. Um, <coughs> Laban does not want him to leave. He does a little divination, which is probably cutting open an animal and looking at his entrails and going, why am I so prosperous right now? Oh, it's because of Jacob. And so he doesn't want Jacob to leave. And so Jacob stays a little bit longer. However, um, in chapter 31... Right. By the way, at this point we have uh, we have eleven tribes. Right. We still don't have Benjamin yet. Jacob wants to leave, and God says he'll bless him. So he leaves without telling. All right. He he just starts heading south, uh, taking a lot of the flock and uh, taking all the kids and the daughters. Rachel steals Laban's idols. I don't know if you recall this story. Um, it, it's you know in these. In these old stories, right? I mean, Abraham, when he's living in you know, Mesopotamia, he's a pagan, right? He's a, he's, a, he's a polytheist, all right? And God says, I want you to worship me, and I'm going to bless you if you do so. And so he comes up here, all right? Um, Laban, still over here, still a polytheist, all right? Rachel, still a polytheist. And so Rachel takes those gods, Probably little statues. Obviously nothing too big because there's multiple of them and they got to travel fast. Rachel steals these idols and they, they flee south towards the Gilead. And the Gilead is on the, on the eastern side over here. What's, what's so funny? Nothing? Okay. All right. So they flee toward the Gilead. Laban ultimately catches up with them. All right. He looks for his gods. Rachel lies, hides the gods. They don't get it. All right, they essentially make up. Laban is told by God, you cannot hurt Jacob. All right, he's under my protection. You are not allowed to do so. So, J- so Laban basically can do nothing in all of this situation. In chapter 32, uh, Jacob continues and sends messages um, to Edom, no, excuse me, to Esau and Edom, all right, because he's afraid. Because last time he left Esau, things were not really on good terms there. So he sends his, he sends his family across the Jordan. Basically, what he does is start sending peace offerings and little groups of people over to Esau. Um, that had been a long time, right? It had been quite a bit, right? Because you've got uh, 14 years for the two daughters, and then some time. So yeah, it would have been a very long time because you've also got to give time for the birth of 11 children, right? I don't, not necessarily sequentially, but quite possibly. The, the narrative seems to be sequential. So lots of years, lots of flocks, lots of babies between the times there. You've got another important event here. Let's turn to chapter 32. 22 through uh, 30, 32, I think, is definitely us, worth us uh, doing some reading. Um, Michael, will you read for us? This is... Yeah. During the night, Jacob quickly took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream along with all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. Then a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not defeat Jacob, he struck the socket of his hip, so the socket of Jacob's hip was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Then the man said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. I will not let you go, Jacob replied, unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? He answered, Jacob. No longer will your name be Jacob, the man told him, but Israel, because you have fought with God and with men and have prevailed. 
Then Jacob asked, Please tell me your name. Why do you ask my name? The man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. So Jacob named the place Peniel, explaining, Certainly I have seen God face to face and have survived. The sun rose over him as he crossed over Peniel, but he was limping because of his hip. That is why to this day the Israelites do not eat the sinew which is attached to the socket of the hip, because he struck the socket of Jacob's hip near the attached sinew. So Peniel is going to be right there on the eastern side of the Jordan River, south of the Sea of Galilee. So that's where Jacob is. The rest of the family is across. And you've got this interesting event, right, where Jacob wrestles with a man who's, you know, at the beginning you're like just some random guy just comes up and starts wrestling Jacob, all right? Later on you find out, wait a minute, this is not actually some random guy. This is actually, this is God taking human form, wrestling with Jacob. Because you've got there, at the end of that story, is like, I, I wrestled with God. I saw God face to face and survived. And so he names the place Peniel, which means the face of God. And so we have here a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ, right, in, in the life of Jacob. So eventually, next chapter, all right, Chapter 33, Jacob and Esau do reunite peacefully. All right? They do reunite peacefully. The enmity that's going to happen between Edom and Israel is saved for another later day. You know, Jacob, Jacob gets to survive. God blesses him. In chapter 34, we've got the Dinah incident. All right? And so she's the only uh, woman mentioned from all of the children of Jacob, all right? Probably, there, there very well could have been more. I would expect there were probably more, but it was the only, the only woman, the only woman. This story is dedicated to, this chapter is dedicated to the story of what happens here. So what happens is Dinah is apparently beautiful, and a Canaanite uh, grabs her and has sex with her and is like, I want to marry this woman, all right? And so it's not good, all right? This is not really good at all. Uh, so what's going to happen? Well, they say, all right, let's, let's do this. If y'all will essentially agree, all right, if you will circumcise yourselves and you will essentially agree to join in this covenant, because that's essentially what that would mean, then it'll be okay. You can keep Dinah and you can marry other women in our tribe and we'll marry amongst you and we'll be one people, right? That's the, that's the thing. And they're like, this is a good economic plan, all right? So we're going to circumcise ourselves. What they don't realize is that two of them, Simeon and Levi, have planned to murder all the men. And what's, what's the best time to murder all the men? Wait until they're all circumcised. Wait until they're all healing and go in and just kill all of them. And that's exactly what Simeon and Levi do. And they succeed. They kill all the men. Jacob, it end, the chapter ends with Jacob going, um, you just killed a bunch of people. Right, we are a, still a small tribe living with, within Canaan. There's lots of other towns and cities and people. Uh, you're, you just gave us a bad reputation, and now I have to worry about us getting killed. And so that's essentially how that story ends up. But nothing really more comes of it after that. In chapter 35, God tells Jacob to put away their foreign gods. All right, why would he have to do that? Well, it's because. 
you know, we, we, we're, you know, there's one God who created all of heaven and earth. The ancient world is pagan, all right? The ancient world is monotheist. Rachel, totally monotheist. Or excuse me, totally polytheist, right? God has, comes to Jacob and says, okay, now put away all your foreign gods, all right? Don't even worship them at all. Just to me is essentially what he has to say at that point. And that's in chapter 35. In chapter 36, you've got a recounting of the descendants of Esau. And we won't read anything from there. Oh, uh, one thing I will mention in chapter 35. Sorry, jumped forward. How does Rachel die? Rachel dies giving birth to tribe number 12, Benjamin, in chapter 35. So in chapter 37... We have the next main character, and he is the main character until the end of the book. All right? And that is the character of Joseph. Now, Joseph is one of the children of, of Rachel. All right? She had two. Benjamin being the youngest, as we just mentioned, he was just born. In chapter 37, Joseph has two dreams that his family would bow down to him, and his brothers become very angry. That kind of makes sense. So the brothers decide, they go a little too far, the brothers decide, uh, I mean, the, the right thing to do if your brother says, I had a dream and you're going to bow down to me, is to go, you're crazy, or you might be a little upset. Uh, the brothers decide uh, they're just going to kill him, right? And so you probably all recall this story. Um, the brothers are all tending the, the flock, all right, and Joseph is coming to them. They're far away from their father, all right, and so they say, all right, let's kill him. Now, one of the children, I believe it was Reuben, if I recall correctly, it is. Okay, good. Um, one of the children has decided, I'm actually not going to kill Joseph. What we're going to do is we're just throwing him in the pit, and then I'm going to come back later, and we'll get him out, and he'll be okay. Um, what ends up happening is they don't kill Joseph, all right? They end up selling him to some traders, and these traders ultimately take him down as a slave, essentially take him down and sell him in Egypt. And so that's how Joseph makes it there. And of course, the, uh, the, the brothers take the, the clothing of Joseph, cover it with animal blood, and tell their father that Joseph is dead. And so as far as Jacob slash Israel is concerned at this point, he no longer has 12 children. He has 11 children. Joseph is dead. All right. Rachel, all right, his favorite wife, only now has one child. Rachel's dead at this point, but... This is going to become important in the story later. Benjamin is going to be his new special child, no longer, no longer Joseph. So he is sold to some Midianites, and they sell him to Potiphar. Then there's a break. Short story here. Judah, all right, Judah takes, um, takes a daughter of a Canaanite, all right? And one of those children, excuse me, one of... Her relatives, she takes as a wife for one of his children. He has three sons, Er, Onan, and Shelah. He finds Tamar, this Canaanite, as a wife for Er. All right? Er is wicked. God kills him. Onan, all right, because of their, their custom, Onan is supposed to then become uh, come and father children through Tamar. All right? He sins. God kills him as well. At this point, you can tell Jacob's basically like, she's cursed. 
She's cursed because two of my boys who were supposed to be with her are now dead. He promises that his third son, um, he'll give when he gets older, because he's too young at this point, then he can ultimately marry her. But he's lying. And she finds that out. And so she disguises herself. All right, She disguises herself as a prostitute. And Judah has sex with her and has children. All right, And then suddenly now his, daughter and his, his daughter-in-law all right, is pregnant. He goes, she's pregnant. All right, she wasn't supposed to do that. All right, who's the guy who did it? Right, and she proves through the story that well, actually, it's you. All right, and so ultimately, she doesn't get killed. Uh, she ends up being vindicated. She is the one who was ultimately the one most wronged in this scenario, not Judah. Um, Judah thought he was wronged, but actually, it was it was her all along. But then in chapter 39, you get back to the story of Joseph. Uh, quickly, so we can do some readings. Joseph is at Potiphar's house, all right? Joseph is a servant there. Welcome, Josh. Good to see him. Um, Joseph is a, is a servant there. He prospers very well. Uh, Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him, and he says, no, I'm not going to do that. That would be disobedient to God and to and to my master, all right? She lies, saying that it went the other way around, and he is thrown in prison. Potiphar's mad. So while he's in prison, all right, he prospers there too, and actually there is a wine taster and a baker for Pharaoh who gets put in that prison, all right? And he interprets their dreams. And the dream is one of you is going to die, one of you is going to live. This ends up coming true. And then ultimately, when you get to uh, chapter 41, Pharaoh dreams, right? And he dreams about an upcoming famine. And then he is told about this man who can miraculously um, interpret dreams. And so Pharaoh's like, okay, bring him up. And Joseph interprets this correctly. And the, and the, the, the vision is that there's going to be seven prosperous years and then seven years of famine. And so... Pharaoh recognizes that Joseph has the Spirit of God and, uh, and puts him essentially in power to prepare for the famine. Joseph gets married, and he has Manasseh and Ephraim. And so if you think about the 12 tribes of Israel, um, depending on what list you look at, like if you look at, for example, a map of Israel, you're going to see 12 tribes. But you'll also see that Levi is not one of them. Why is that? Well, we find out later on that Levi is going to not be given land, but be given individual cities and be scattered amongst Israel. But yet there's still 12 tribes. Well, you'll notice Joseph, if you look at a map, doesn't have a spot of land. He has actually two spots of land because um, instead of having 12 plots of land, well, 11 with Levi, all right, and then add one with Joseph, both Ephraim and Manasseh both get allotments of land. And so, how many tribes do we have? You really have 12, right, with Joseph, right? Not all of them have land. Levi has cities. And so, that's a little strange within the story, but that's how it ultimately works out. So, Manasseh and Ephraim actually end up being really important in this whole story as well, uh, once you get past Genesis. And at the end of Genesis, if we have time, we'll read a little bit about them. But I'm doubting we will. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 41. This is a really long section I wanted to read. Um, I'll just read part of it. Genesis 41, chapter four, uh, verse 14. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit 
And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. I mean, he's been in prison a while. looks terrible. Makes sense. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream and there is no one who can interpret it. I've heard it said of you that you can hear a dream and can interpret it. Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Behold, in my dream I stand, I'm standing on the banks of the Nile. Seven cows, plump and attractive, came up out of the Nile and fed in, green gra- in the reed grass. Seven other cows came up after him, poor and very ugly and thin, such as I had never seen in all of the land of Egypt. The thin, ugly cows ate up the first seven plump cows. But when they had eaten them, no one would have known that they had eaten them, for they were still as ugly as at the beginning. Then I awoke. And then there's another dream, and this is the dream of seven fruitful years, then seven years of famine. And so when Joseph, all right, Joseph interprets this for him, Pharaoh says, all right, I'm going to put you in charge. And so he gets, he basically, Joseph's plan is for the next seven years, we're going to save up grain and such, and so we can survive that seven years of famine. In chapter 42, Joseph's brothers come to Israel, all right? Um, there's a famine in Canaan, and so they need food. If, and in the ancient world, in that general area, if there's any place that's going to have food, it's going to be Egypt because of the Nile. Now, they are also in famine, but Joseph actually prepared for that, so it was okay. So the brothers come, and Joseph knows who they are, but he says, you're spies, all right? They all think Joseph's dead. They have no idea that this is Joseph. But Joseph says, you're spies, and it kind of puts them on the defensive. Um, All of them go, except for one child. Who's the child that doesn't go? Benjamin. Jacob is afraid. He does not want to send Benjamin out. He does not want that other child of Rachel to be killed. So Joseph sends them back, all right? Um, And so this is, uh, he sends his brothers back, but keeps Simeon. All right, in, in Egypt. All right, and says, you can have Simeon back when you bring back Benjamin. All right, so the brother, he's a hostage. The brothers, of course, he's not going to hurt Simeon, but he, the brothers go back up to Jacob and they're like, uh, we had to leave Simeon. We got to bring Benjamin back so we can get Simeon out. And Jacob's like, no. All right, not, not, <coughs> Simeon's not that great, I guess. Um, <laughs> He's just going to have to stay there. But eventually they do have to go back because they run out of food. So in chapter 43, they do have to go back and they do have to take Benjamin. All right. Jacob's afraid. All right. Joseph um, has them eat at his house, which kind of freaks them out, if you recall the story. And at one point he gets too emotional and has not run out. Chapter 44, uh, Joseph tests them again. All right. So he sends them back with food. All right. And hides a silver cup. All right, hides a silver cup in Benjamin's belongings. Mm, create some tension here. Um, and so he hides some cup, and then this is all a ruse, right? And so they start going back, and then he sends some people to go, hey, you stole, all right, you stole from our master. And they're like, no, we didn't, and finds the cup in Benjamin's bag, right? Um, yeah, this is not really great. And, but they refuse to, and so they have to go back, and they refuse to leave without Benjamin, because they're like, we can't go back without Benjamin. This will kill our father, right? This will absolutely kill him. In chapter 45, Joseph, Joseph says, okay, 
and admits who he is. All right, I am Joseph, that you had sold into slavery. Uh, God sent me here. All right, Joseph's a massive man of faith. God sent me here to save your lives through that sin that you did. All right, a great example of God ultimately taking a sinful act. All right, and using it providentially. No matter what people do, God will use it for his ends. And here's Joseph being sold into slavery, and that was exactly the thing that would lead him to be second in command in all of Egypt. So he reveals himself, and he says, go back, get Jacob, and then return. And so now everyone goes to the land of uh, Goshen. Now Goshen is right over in here. So now, essentially, all of Israel, all the 12 tribes, travel down there. Uh, chapter 46, if you would. Chapter 46, 1 through 4. So Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered the sacrifices to God of his father Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again, and Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. And so they settle down. They go into Egypt. In chapter 48, you've got um, the blessing of Ephraim and Manasseh. In chapter 29, Jacob blesses and prophesies about all the children. If you look through there, you'll see portents for the future of what's going to happen with, with Israel. In chapter 50, Jacob is, is embalmed. He is taken back to Canaan, and Joseph's brothers get concerned that now that Jacob's dead, Joseph's now going to take his revenge finally. He doesn't. All right. And he says that God will bring them back out of the land. Genesis chapter 50. Verse 22. So Joseph remained in Egypt. He and his father's house. Joseph lived 110 years. And Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation. And the children also of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were counted as Joseph's own. And Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died. Being 110 years old, they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. And so the book of Genesis closes. And uh, this is a setup for the very next book of the Bible, for Exodus, because... When you get to the book of Exodus, we've had a few hundred years. God had promised Jacob slash Israel that while he's there, he was going to turn them into a great nation. And that is exactly what he did. Just like when Jacob went up to the uh, upper, uh, upper Mesopotamia and lived there, God blessed him there. All right, And same in Egypt. God blesses them there. They are fruitful and they multiply. And ultimately, Exodus happens when... A pharaoh comes into power who doesn't remember Joseph and ultimately starts persecuting the Israelites. But all of that is even in God's providence because the goal is not for them to prosper here. The goal is for them to prosper here in Canaan. 
And so that's how ultimately the book of Exodus gets set up. If you haven't read Genesis in a while, that's the big picture of things. There's lots of very interesting details in there. I absolutely recommend you go back and read it. And, um, and use that also as a jumping off point, if you have read Genesis recently. Uh, start reading the rest of the, 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 the Torah. All right? Exodus picks up right at this point. All right? There's lots of interesting material in Leviticus, lots of laws. All right? Numbers has lots of interesting material, as does Deuteronomy. All right? Lots of imp- interesting information about that covenant that is given to Moses, as the, or given through Moses, Right as they go out of the land. So this sets you up for that. So whichever one you need to do some reading in, um, hopefully this was helpful to you. If anybody wants to discuss this, uh, we're out of time, uh, but I'll be around during lunch if anybody wants to discuss any of these particular stories or episodes. So, so let's be dismissed. Um, will you play, pray for us? I appreciate it. Dear Lord, Thank you so much for your word that just lasts eternally is infallible. We thank you, Lord, that through these timeless events recorded down the scripture that you continue to speak to us today. We pray, Lord, that you would open our ears, open our hearts and our minds as you speak to us through our pastor. I pray, Lord, that you would help us be receptive to your word and to live Totally takes them. Uh, yes. What I would do is, as you're reading through it, take an out, outline notes essentially. Um, let me show you show you what I do. So I'm, I'm a bit ADHD. I'm just like I don't care. I don't care. I don't care about all these laws. <laughs> yes. Um, it, it's it's helpful to, to. Oh, I should probably turn this off here.